0: Welcome to AP Bible Church. We're so glad you guys are here. Be sure to go over and check out apbiblechurch.com where you can find out more about our church, about the pastors. You can visit the blog for different resources and teachings. We have family study packets each and every week based off of our Sunday sermons. You can also join in our group page. We have a group there for the church where members can get on and gather together in fellowship and community there through the website. We stream services every Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, bi-weekly Sunday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and also on Wednesday evenings as well for our midweek message and prayer gathering. Pastor Brandon has been teaching through the Gospel of Matthew, And we are excited to have you all here so we can dig in a little bit deeper and hear what he has to teach us today. Thank you guys again so much for being here. Of course, we are always available for each and every one of you. If there's ever anything that we can do, please don't hesitate to reach out. Until then, let's dive in.
1: One thing that really stuck out uh, to me this week was in 1 Kings 3. And I have this verse posted up as one of my verses that I I always remember, and it's First Kings three, uh, verse nine. And what we find in, in chapter three of First Kings is Solomon's prayer uh, to the Lord, and this is basically where we find that you know Solomon asking the Lord for wisdom, and the Lord being um, you know pleased with his answer and stuff. So, uh, if all of you want to to take uh, time to work to read First uh, Kings three either later or on your own this week, please do. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful section of scripture. And Solomon's prayer here this is from the wisest man that ever lived uh, outside of, of Christ and, um, you know, Paul as well. But, uh, you know, King Solomon was given, you know, we know from scripture that he was the wisest man that ever lived. Um, and Solomon felt the weight instantly of, you know, the, the throne uh, coming on him and and realizing that he had to lead God's people and, and how, how much of a weight that was. And, you know, it's, it's so comforting because reading this, Solomon had no idea what to do either. He's like, I, I have no idea. I don't know how to do this. And, uh, this whole week and, and even the week before, um, I have been in, in just silent torture of myself going what am I doing? I don't know how to do this. I'm not qualified to do this. I'm not good at doing this. I don't, you know, I'm going through all of these different uh, feelings and they're natural for every single person, every single teacher of the word to go through, Um, to feel inadequate and to do that. You will absolutely feel that way because you are, but at the same time, you know, you are a vessel used for the Lord. Uh, but still sometimes I think in that humility you realize that you are just completely you know um you know you're you're not better than anybody else you know you, you're not holier than anybody else you're not um, you know there, there's nothing special uh, about uh, you know doing this you know it's it's just uh, we we don't want to get you know, I, I don't beat myself up too much. And, um, in a timely matter, one of you reached out this week, um, kind of in the, in the same boat. Um, and, uh, it was, it was very comforting. It was good timing because I definitely was in prayer about, about this Lord, how do I lead your people? How, how do I do this? Having words of influence even though this is online, um, we, we, this is people listen to, um, you know, what, what I say and what I teach and, and are growing in the Lord and are, are becoming more, um, you know, stronger in their faith. But if you don't understand the weight of having influence and, and, and everything that you say and everything that you do... Um, th- there's something seriously wrong. And that, that's just a weight that just has hit me hard this week. And I just ask the Lord to keep continuing to give me this reality, to keep just slapping me with this reality of what this means to truly lead, to lead God's people and to, to, you know, truly, you know, um, speak boldly um, but to also speak wisely and to, to understand and and lovingly. Um, but it's, you know, it's still a heavy weight. So, um, I will, what you'll be hearing in the prayer part of it is first Kings, uh, chapter three, verse nine, uh, with that, well, we'll open up in prayer. Dear Lord, we love you and we thank you so much, Father. Father, I thank you so much for bringing us all together here today. Father, no matter where we are, no matter when we're watching, we are coming together and giving you glory. Father, today, as every time, Lord, I ask that you give me wisdom Father, in leading your people. And like King Solomon prayed, Father, give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Father, we know that we are all inadequate of your glory, your forgiveness, and your mercy. Father, I pray that you just use me as your tool to speak your truth. Please let everything come from you and nothing from me, Father. Father, bless our time together. Father, we know that you are here among us. Father, I ask that you give your heart your people hearts to understand, ears to hear, give them minds to see and understand these things. We know understanding comes from you, Lord, and it comes from the spirit, it does not come from man. In all these things, Father, we love you and we thank you. In your heavenly and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, forgive me. um, I probably will. No surprise. I'm going to try not to get as emotional as I can be here. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's just been a rough week Um, and I I say that every single week and it is because this is especially now in these days that we're living in in these evil days that we're living in um, you know it's going to get harder it's not going to get easier there's a lot of encouragement at the end of this tunnel we know it but while we're going through it that doesn't always um, you know that doesn't always make it easier right so uh, we know that we're going to have to go through it And it's okay, but um, rough week and just, uh, I know that I was beating myself up, but I've, I, I learned today the reason why, um, and, and I, I definitely felt the Lord speak to me in, in the way of, you know, just, just comforting. And like I said, one of you had reached out earlier this week, um, kind of in the same position, and I was able to give encouragement through that, very timely. Um, and the Lord definitely answered so many prayers this week. But then it occurred to me this morning and said, you know, I've all these things that I've been praying, I've been praying to lead your people correctly. I've been praying for you to show me uh, what it is that you want me to do, um, you know, all these different things. And then I'm like, well, dang, <laughs> all these uh, all these tough things that I've dealt with this week, uh, these are these are the things that that I was asking the Lord to, to show me and to strengthen me and, and to, uh, think about and pray on. And, uh, I certainly, uh, just, you know, this, this morning I, I came to that realization and just completely lost it. Um, just because of, um, just how clear, you know, he, he made it. Um, but there is a couple things before we get started today that I do have to address, Um, one is, is I did, um, I I know everybody saw my post. I called all of you out church. Um, not you guys, not you all that we see, um, every single week. I see all of your beautiful, lovely faces and I love you every week. You know who you are. Y'all here. Um, the problem. So it's not that I'm, I'm talking to, to everybody and I don't want to make anybody feel bad or guilty or anything like that. But I'm trying, I'm being a shepherd here and I'm calling the rest of the church out and I'm, I'm asking, I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm, I read excuses and I hear excuses all the time. I do. It's, it's one excuse after another, not, not for anybody that has legitimate excuses, but it's, it's one excuse after another. And it's honestly boils down to laziness. See, the problem is, is I think many forget that they come right. At least when they first come to us or they'll come to me, you'll completely spill your whole heart all across the table tell me every single detail and every single thing of what's wrong in your life and God bless you for it I want you to do that but don't forget that you've done that so when the Shepherd is trying to shepherd you and it starts to make you feel kind of uncomfortable just understand that you that, that I understand what your situation is because <laughs> you've already given it to me uh, you've already told me and in love um, I see people get Lazy. I see people fall off. I see people struggle. And I know. And even though the even this is online, it doesn't matter because this isn't about man, right? This isn't about this is about the Lord and this is about the Spirit. This is this is about the body of Christ. This has nothing to do with man. So I know and I see these things, and I see, and it, it gets frustrating. It it does. And the proof of this is you know, the reason why I asked is I was like, what is it about the holidays? What is it about the holiday laziness? Okay, everybody's traveling, everybody's busy. Okay, what what does that have to do with falling off? If you're struggling throughout the rest of the week in the Word in your faith and everything else and then when the holidays come around, then you're gonna like just kind of fall off completely? Like, what are you doing? That I mean, what, what are you doing? Seriously. What, what kind of thought process do you have? Where are you getting fed? Call it holiday laziness. Because every single church goes through this, right? Every single church goes through. During the holidays, there is a drop in attendance because everybody's so busy, everybody's traveling, all this, all this whatever excuse there is under the sun than to gather together because our lives are so much better during the week, right? We don't, we, man, we don't, we don't need to come together and rest and and get in the word on Sunday because we've got everything right and everything's going good. It's not, and it's painful to sit here and watch this. It is, it really, really is. Um, one thing that I kind of understood and I kind of suspected is that a lot of people feel very, very, and this is what I, I have to be very, very careful in my words and, and how I put this and I'm, and and I just pray that you all see, um, my heart and understand what I'm saying in this. Cause it's not about me. It's it's I'm, in everything that I say today. Don't look at me, look at the Lord, look to the cross and then go to God's word. If you can make me wrong by doing those two things, come to me and bring a charge against me. Please do. That's not a, that's not a challenge. That's not a, a threat. That's not a, anything I, I'm asking you, please do. I'm begging you to because the Lord will not let me and let my mind sleep or let my my, my body rest uh, for this whole past week because this has absolutely troubled me to no end. Uh, this goes far beyond just a holiday issue or anything like this. This just goes back to what is it that we think that we're doing right now, especially with the way that the world is? Um. We had somebody this week, and like I said, I, I suspected it was because of the the holidays, and this is unfortunate because I know, like my podcast and Heidi's videos and these different things, um, I I understand that they're I I don't want anybody to make them feel bad like we're picking on them. Um, you have to understand sometimes like with what I say, especially we did a plea recently about. Christmas and this is not what this is about. Okay, I promise you. But stick with me. Um, a, a plea about Christmas. And Heidi recently did her her heavenly minded video on asking these questions, saying, "I'm not here to argue. I'm I'm saying let's go to scripture and let's ask ourselves some questions here." Okay, it was just a it was just a simple let's do that. Okay, well, problem is, is a lot of, I know it makes a lot of people uncomfortable because a lot of people either don't agree or a lot of people feel convicted, but they're trapped. Okay. And it's not like, I don't want anybody to think that I'm over here trying to campaign against causing strife and causing uh, division in your house and in your life or anything like that. That that's not, um, that's not what I am, we're, we're either of us are attempting to do. Um, but that's what happens a lot. And to those people that that's either happening to, or how, you know, or, or if you are feeling uh, off or, or angry um, because we won't, you know, because we won't. Um, because we're saying these things or whatever else um this just doesn't you know this this doesn't have anything to do with us or something that we're trying to do here we're not trying to sell you anything we're not trying to make you celebrate something else we're not trying to to make you feel bad or guilty and pointing a finger and calling you a sinner and all these different things that's not that's not what we're doing but from a teacher's perspective, what I am doing is I'm 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 asking you to, to consider some things here. But there there we do have um, a you know a church member who Heidi and I, you you all probably don't know them as well, and some of you might, um, but Heidi and I do because we've talked to this person extensively. This person is just very, very quiet. Very quiet. And <laughs> She is. Uh, I, I mean, she's, I love her heart and I love her. And this is what really just tore down my week this week was, was just my heart was just burning for, um, you know, and in, 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 in something of going, man, did I do something wrong? Am I causing? And I've, you know, I legitimately got like, I, I can't, I'm not trying to cause division. I'm not trying to cause anger. I'm not, I'm trying to teach God's word and share simply what, what I read and what I understand and, you know, studying Matthew and, you know, I've told you all, this has been a really changing experience for me um, in more ways than I actually thought recently, because the more and more that I study this and the more and the more that I learn about this replacement theology um, and, and different influence that these things have had on the church and even into where we are now, the Lord is making me very, very, um, there's, there's something that's just is not sitting right with a lot of this. And I've just been kind of going off, but uh, I don't mean to go off and I will hurry up here, I promise. But this person left and the reason why she left the church was because she wanted to dive in and, and get involved and do all these things and go full into uh, the church here but she was feeling guilty and she said especially around the holiday times because she was feeling very convicted of the way that she celebrated christmas and the way that their family celebrated christmas so she says i'm feeling very guilty and it's causing problems i'm i'm feeling this and i feel like i'm not being a mom to my kids i'm not a wife to my husband and i feel like you know um you know, all these different things. And it's just not worth the strife. And, you know, I, I I want to be involved, but I can't because my significant other is just not on board. So I, I just can't do all these things. And it got me thinking, and I'm like, I didn't, I, you know, anything that I say here is not meant to make anybody feel bad to argue with anybody or anything else. It comes, Hey Gina, long time, no see. I was wondering how you were. I was thinking about you the other day. Anyway, um, you came at just the right time. I, I do not mean to make, either of us do not mean to make any of you feel bad because we definitely understand that there is some of you that still decide to, um, celebrate these holidays and you have freedom to do so. And that was never the point of, of, of pointing fingers or getting anybody uncomfortable. Um, but what, what the point is here is I'm, I'm going to tie this into what, what we're talking about here today. Um, you know, the more and more in-depth study that I've had to do, like I said, about the book of Matthew. I've gone. Deep into. Jewish history. I've gone deep into. Um, church history. Learning from. You know. The the time that the apostles were on earth. All the way up until. You know. Uh, where we. How we got to we are. To where we are now. And. The more and more that I keep seeing in this, especially when we're talking about the kingdom and not only that, but looking at the world around us and seeing the way things are, I'm realizing more and more how much of a problem this replacement theology, this supersessionism or sessionism is in our, in the church. This has been a destructive heresy that is absolutely ripped apart in the church and ripped apart all knowledge of roots and largely ripped apart knowledge of our god because we as a whole as a whole the church not this church but the church as a whole is filled with a bunch of goats Okay, and this is exactly what Christ told us when he gave us the parables of the wheat and the tares, right? We know that in this age, in this kingdom advent age, that it's going to be difficult to tell the sheep from the goats. Well, guess what? Because there's so many goats that are intermingled. And what, what has happened is it's taken... Understanding away and replaced it with different, different understanding, which is a fatal, fatal error. Um, you know, I, the Lord really, really has spoken to me, especially this week. In the past, I have not had much of an issue with celebrating Christmas, even personally, it was mostly just Heidi. Um, and, and please don't take me wrong. Remember, I grew up in the church. I grew up and, and I study, I, believe me, I, I know all the good things that are attached to this, okay? But hear my plea. The, the bad things that are attached to this include a bunch of destructive heresies that can lead us into laziness and having a skewed view of who God is. You know, it's so funny that people who are struggling so much during the it's not funny, it's tragically sad, because people that are struggling throughout the week, who I know who's struggling in their walk, Guess who becomes the biggest Christians around the holidays. This is superficial. It's holiday Christians. Are you a holiday Christian? Are you? I don't I don't make any any assumptions with anybody, but are you? Think about this. Why are we posting stuff about our wonderful savior and blessed savior and in- when he's literally coming? He's literally this, this 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 he's coming. And it's this all this little baby sweet little uh no he's coming revelation 19 he is coming in judgment we're going to read today the judgment the sheep and goat judgment this is another this is this is why I'm t- tying this all in is because the way that we understand even this chapter of Matthew 25 that we're going to be reading today has to do with replacement theology the sheep and goat judgment absolutely makes a millennial kingdom necessary. And this rod, he's going to judge with a rod of iron and he does not play games. Okay, so that, that God is coming. Why are we so focused on things here that don't matter at all, rather on really the core? We want to go through the the practices and all these things, and we try to attach these these different practices to things that that we shouldn't. We we really shouldn't do. Okay, and that this doesn't go for everybody. It doesn't. And I know I'm going to make a lot of people upset by saying this, but I, you guys have no idea the kind of prayer and the kind of torture that I have been in this week. And I still, Lord, am, am praying, and I'm I'm praying that I'm received correctly because again. I recognize that Paul tells us, and we have absolute freedom in Christ, okay, and and those of weaker faith that quite don't understand, that that just quite aren't there, that's okay. And I don't want to make you stumble in your walk. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to make you think that you need to do something different when you don't feel it, okay, because there is freedom in this. But what I do plea for you to understand is in that freedom, okay, in that freedom, we know that our freedom of Christ, we're not supposed to use this freedom as an opportunity to sin. Now, I'm not saying celebrating any in particular thing is is, is a sin. No. But when we look at anything, why we're doing anything, why don't we ask questions like, Why am I doing this? Or what does this mean? Or maybe this should be something that I don't do. Every single one of us affirms that God is everlasting and ever changing. Amen. And never changing. Never. God never changes. So let me ask you this question. If God never changes, what makes that God that's in the Old Testament any different than who Christ is? where's the difference? The God that gave the 10 commandments to Moses is the same God. He's the same God. He does not change. He is a fulfillment of the law. So we are not bound by the letter of the law, but we darn sure are bound by the principles of it. We have got to think about these things. We're told Deuteronomy 5-7, have no other gods for me, before me. In verse 9, he says, I am a jealous God. What does that mean? What is jealous? Jealousy is a sin. No, jealous means he doesn't share because he is the only God. he says love the lord your god deuteronomy 11, 1. love the lord your god and keep his charge his statutes his rules and his commandments what do we suppose that that means let me ask you this look at look at Go back to the Ten Commandments here. Deuteronomy 5, 7. You shall have no other gods before me. Then look at the very next one in verse 8. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to serve them. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of your fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keeping my commandments. Okay, these these no other gods and these other things that we have, what what do you suppose these things are? I, I looked into this week studying and like I said, don't think that I don't know the good things that are, that are, that are attached to the winter holidays. Believe me, don't don't think I don't know this. I grew up in the church. I understand everything that every argument that every single teacher has. But the Lord really hit me hard this week, and I I to stand up in, and do here right now and knowingly that I'm probably going to shrink the church. This is what made this so painful, because this is what stinks. Because I really feel this way. I really feel this way. I really believe that the Lord has a message of consideration that we need to think about in these days, in these evil days. And looking back and going back to the roots, and and as I said, you can't get away from the fact that Christmas in the the holiday er times... Is celebrating the the roots of it is pagan okay it wasn't until about 300 years later or 200 years later that Christmas was even associated or any of this was associated with the church and you know why it's associated with the church be in an effort to stomp out the Jew. And to remove everything Jewish. Replacement theology. That's exactly what it was. I, I know all the things. That are, again I know all the good things. They're tied to. They, that's fine. But um, pagan gods and practices. And different things like that. This is the same argument that we have with Halloween. This is the same argument that we have with yoga. This is the same argument that we have with the Enneagram. All of this. Like, what are we doing? You know what set me off on this was everybody is calling this star, this alignment of Jupiter and Saturn on the 21st the star of Bethlehem when it's it's clearly not. Um, But that got me interested in, in looking into it. Looking into, this is on the 21st, which is the beginning of the festival of the celebration of Saturn, the god Saturn. These are still active festivals and things, pagan things that are still going on. Again, I'm not meaning to, I'm not, I'm not trying to point your finger and tell you that you should do something different because if you've reconciled to the Lord all these things and you celebrate it, how, fine. But I'm telling you that we need to consider these things. And you do not everybody's lives and families need to look the same, but we need to really consider these things and understand where these things come from. And go, do we really want to do that? Knowing everything that we just read about Deuteronomy 5, where do you think the wiggle room is in there? Where, What wiggle room do you believe that we have? The wiggle room that's given to us by Paul and Romans? Absolutely. That's the only wiggle room that we have. Do you want to... Do you want to... Rely on that? Do you want to answer to the Lord saying, My freedom, I use my freedom for this way? I'm telling you, we are so anti Semitic in the church today, we don't even know it. We don't. I don't know how much of literally adopting pagan culture and stopping out the Jews, I'm having a really hard time in scripture figuring out where that's a good idea. I can't find it. And the fact that this stuff didn't exist until hundreds of years afterwards should be a little bit concerning. We should keep these things in mind. This is the seriousness of what I'm talking about. So I'm not trying to make any anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say don't do it. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying consider it. And for me, for me, I'm not saying that you need to come to the same conclusion because there's many of you that that, that don't and that's fine and I love you and I don't think any less of you. I don't, but I still am asking you to consider and take this to prayer and take this to scripture. And remember, we don't need to invent anything. We have things, this is this, this attitude that we have to get in, in, this grafted image. We already have things that we're grafted into here that we will celebrate literally in the millennial kingdom that have nothing to do with the current world that we are in today. Nothing to do with it. Nothing. So, having tradition and culture is fine, but I don't know if our our our, our tradition and culture should be wrapped in pagan idolatry. I, I don't know that that's a good idea to continue in that and to not understand the damage and the destructive heresy of replacement theology. This is, this is replacement theology. This is a heresy. What Constantine did in the 300s, regardless of what good he did, was heresy. And that's what the apostles told us to watch out for. Watch out for those who are coming in my name, bringing destructive heresies. Oh, but well, let's just ignore it and think we're fine and just stroll in on the blood of Christ, on our own righteousness. Is that not what they did? And is that not what we've just been reading about, about something that you can't do? What are you, what are we doing? Have you all seen what's going on in the world right now? Have we really paid attention? Have you really honestly thought to consider that your children your career, all of these things are in jeopardy. It's not comfort anymore. These things are becoming realities. The world is getting very, very uncomfortable for us. We must consider these things. Why are we trying to slap God on things and then slacking off in other ways in these days? And then the way that we're slacking off should be something that like, "Eh, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Guys, I'm telling you, we don't understand. If, If my last words be that we don't understand the damage of what replacement and kingdom now theology have been, then... Man, it's it's crushed our understanding. So I'm going to finally shut up about this. I pray that that made sense. Because believe me, I prayed every single day this week, multiple times, in tears, including this morning, on what I should say about this. Understanding that every word I speak has influence. Every word I speak Every careless word I speak, everything that I say and everything that I do, I will have to answer for That's terrifying and scary. And I was in tears this morning going, I don't want to do this wrong. I don't trust my flesh. I don't trust my flesh in this matter at all, please. So know that that came straight from my heart and that plea and that warning is serious. And as we go on into the message today, we'll see why it's important to understand these things. So go ahead and turn to Matthew 25. We're finally there. Heidi, right, if you want to mark on here that this is when we start the actual message and my rant ended here. No, I want everybody to hear it. I want everybody to point. hear it too. Okay. <laughs> so I, I would like everybody to, to know that I love you all and I'm not trying to point fingers I'm not trying to, to say that you're sinful for doing something. Don't think that I'm judging you differently. Just just understand that in my own personal life, the Lord really spoke to me this week and, and made me uncomfortable with a lot of things that I had been comfortable with in the past. I had been okay with these things. I had been able to pass it off and think it wasn't a big deal like everybody else but then something hit me this week in studying for Matthew 25, That I'm like, this literally all goes back to Rome in replacement theology. This is what it always goes back to. All of our problems, everything. This is what it all boils back down to. Not just that, we have a couple other things too, it does. And like I said, I mean, if, if if any of you don't agree, if any of you violently disagree with anything that I said, as I said at the beginning, I'm praying, pray for me. And um you know, uh, just consider I guess. So as we're going into Matthew chapter twenty-five, here, I've already talked through the parable of the ten virgins but I'm gonna go go ahead and go loosely through it again because I know we probably kind of got a little bit lost in it. Um guys this is another this is another chapter here that I've told you that I don't completely agree with every commentator and it, it doesn't matter. Um, but there's many, there's many ways of interpreting the book of Matthew and, and especially in the way that I teach it. There's, there's many different views. So I only, I, I have a way of teaching this that I believe that the the scripture is saying that I don't completely agree with Andy on. I know Andy, even today, uh, Andy Woods is going through the very same chapters of Matthew 24 and 25 today. Um. And I, I don't completely agree with him. I don't completely agree with with, with a lot of people on it. This is my I, I think the Lord is very very clear. I think once we, we take this with the totality of scripture with what the further revelation to the disciples and the understanding of the rapture and the further understanding of the second coming by the revelation of John that gives us a more in-depth understanding into um, what's going on here in the book of Matthew but as with any passage of scripture, we know that we, we must interpret this passage correctly. We must ask ourselves these questions. Who is the author? What is his purpose for writing? And who is he writing to? Okay. In understanding scripture, we have to, we, we have got to ask ourselves these questions. Okay, so in Matthew 25, the second coming is always in view. When we interpret Matthew, we're we're usually talking about the second coming all the time. Okay, but there's elements of these these parables and different things that Jesus says that can absolutely apply to the rapture, and they absolutely do. But we we don't exegete or we don't use our hermeneutics, we don't use our tools to say that we don't read the church into this, okay? We understand, are the Gentiles grafted in rightful place in the kingdom, okay? We don't apply Jesus' words here to the church, okay? But because we're watching this show from a completely different perspective, but Jesus certainly alludes to things that we can understand, and these mysteries are revealed to us by additional writings of scripture. So we're not doing backflips. We've got further information onto what Jesus was saying here. Okay, so only being rooted in the word of truth and through prayer and the Holy Spirit can you see and understand all of these truths in his word. Okay, so remember, understanding comes from God. It does not come from man. So I pray that he reveals all of these things to you as we go through the message today. Now I want us to see as we're gonna go on and read, and, and I didn't go over before when we went over the virgins, but we can see that there's a general theme in these two parables that Jesus tells here. We're getting really close to Jesus' betrayal and the crucifixion here. We're we're ending the last section here of the what's known as the all of the discourse when Jesus is explaining how the kingdom is going to come and all these different things. Okay, so in these two parables here, we have two themes of watching and serving. Okay, and the reason why I said that this is important to interpret correctly is because if we don't interpret this correctly, we we come up with confusion and we we don't understand, but we also, I mean, this right here, is almost a 100% guarantee, I mean, it is a 100% guarantee of a millennial kingdom. Once we get to the last part, the last section of this, we'll realize that this is a a lockstep and go for a literal kingdom, and we'll see why here. But we'll go ahead and start reading in verse 1. Okay. Now remember, this parable, if you remember and you've seen what I've already taught on it, the parable of the ten virgins, it's the first section that we're going to read here, verses one through 13. Okay. If you remember, I view this, I see this as absolutely the second coming of Christ. However, this going out to meet the bridegroom, there's two phases of Jewish weddings. Okay, so first the bridegroom went to obtain the bride. And then there was the ceremony after. So I see this parable as referring to both Israel and the church. It's clear when taken into context with the rest of Jesus' teaching, what he's referring to here. So this is what I'm saying. Is he referring to the rapture directly? Absolutely not. But with understanding of where our rightful place is in the kingdom, is grafted in Gentiles, and understanding that Matthew wasn't writing to us, We can see these things and we can see exactly what Christ means. So look in verse one. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For the foolish took their lamps, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Where else do we hear that cry? We hear that in First Thessalonians 4, don't we? When the Lord descends from heaven with a shout, with a cry of command. And then we have in John 14... In the upper room discourse, where Jesus promises that he will come and gather us to be with him where he is. So wait a minute, that's that's saying something different than the second coming. Because Jesus is descending and calling us up here. The second coming, we have the king coming to the earth in judgment. Something different. Pay attention to that. Here is the bridegroom come out to meet him. All right, verse seven. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. See the rapture theme in there? We come to Christ, even the Jews right now can come to Christ and meet the bridegroom. But anybody that doesn't and the goats are going to be shut out. Now, absolutely, this is talking about the second coming. But we also have these two themes in there. Verse 11, afterward, the other versions came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So right there, that statement in itself tells us as well, even those who are looking for our blessed hope, we don't know the day or hour. We don't. The Jews at the end of the tribulation don't know the day or hour when Christ returns either, but they are to be looking for him and to not getting not to be getting lazy. We have this idea, right, that it's going to be so easy to be able to say, you know, there's signs all over the place going, we are in the tribulation. Nope, that's not the way that it works. There's going to be religious deception. Remember, it's going to be very, very difficult. The only way you're going to be able to tell is by being rooted in any kind of biblical knowledge and recalling these things. For the people that are left during that period. But those words right there, watch, be ready. You do not know the day or the hour. We don't. You want to be caught in laziness? You want to be caught in falling off? You want to be caught off in, in, in doing things that you probably should reconsider? And I'm not saying, please don't take what I said at the beginning part. Unless you do, and then, uh, that's fine too. Unless the Lord convicts you of that, fine. But that's not what I mean. What I mean is, do we want to be caught doing something that we know that we, we don't want to have to answer to? Why would we even have something like that in our life? Why would we even do that? Watch, therefore, and be ready. Okay, now this, the next parable here is the parable of the talents. Okay, the talents was a, talent was a large sum of money. It depended on whether it was silver or gold, it could be, it could be worth a lot. But what we, we gather from this is this a large sum of money. But Jesus is using this parable to explain <coughs> what the kingdom how the kingdom is going to come and, and what are going to be the signs and, and what's going to be the identification uh, in, in the way how do we operate in this age? So he says in the way of this parable, he gives a parable of the tenant, the talents. Okay, and this is a, it's a fairly self-explanatory parable. We'll go ahead and read through it, and I'll stop a a, a few places, Uh, mainly the end. I know a lot of people have um, confusion on the end, so I've, I've got a little bit of help for you there. But starting reading in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. The one he he gave five talents to the other two, to another one, to each other according to his ability. That's important. To each according to his ability. So remember that the Lord gives us everything that we need according to our ability to serve him and honor him. All of our abilities don't look the same. If you don't feel like you can go out and and and, and speak with people in the street about, you know, th- then don't. Not everybody's meant to be an evangelist. You're supposed to de- always declare the gospel. I cannot wait till we get to the Great Commission. That's going to be a good sermon. Don't miss that one. We all have different jobs, but it is according to his ability. Then he went away, continuing in 15, and then in 16. He who had received the five talents went at once once, and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Verse 27, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I know that that part is the, the, the main question that comes up in this, that's not answered directly in this text, is why the one talent man went and did not put the money that the master gave him in the bank. Um, we're going to have an interesting note on your study packet this week, but most Most commentaries, most people are rather vague, and they have their own uh, different um, interpretations of that. Um, I like John Walvard is is, has my my favorite explanation of this. He goes on to write um, the explanation seems to be that this wicked man had the same kind of cunning that Judas Iscariot used when he accepted the money for the betrayal of Christ. Judas had reason that if Jesus was indeed the Messiah. His betrayal would not matter, and he would be ahead 30 pieces of silver. If Jesus was not the Messiah, he at least would have the silver. So the wicked one-talent man likewise reasoned, If my Lord returns, I will be able to give him back his talent, and cannot be accused of being a thief. But if he does not return, there will be no record that the money belongs to him. Such as would be true if I deposited it in the bank, and then I will be able to use the money myself. His basic problem, like the problem of Judas, was lack of faith. The one talent man did not believe that it was sure, I'm sorry, the one talent man did not believe that it was sure his Lord was coming back. It is therefore clear that his basic problem was that of being an unbeliever, not simply being unfaithful in service. Accordingly, the conclusion of the illustration, for unto everyone that hath shall be given, this is in KJV so forgive us he shall have abundance but for him that hath not shall be taken away even which he has Refers to everyone who has faith or who is lacking in faith Do you hear that refers to everyone who has faith or who is lacking Remember just like Peter not no faith lacking little Okay, it's, it's about what you're given. Okay, and then he, he Walford adds to, uh, to note here, here is elsewhere, and this is an important note, here is elsewhere in scripture, while works may be an evidence of salvation, they are never the ground of salvation. Okay, let me say that again. While works may be an evidence of salvation, they are never ground of salvation. The one-talent man, while deficient in works, was condemned because of his lack of faith. Accordingly, the one-talent man is not an illustration of a backsliding Christian, as no Christian justified by faith and declared righteous by God could ever be cast into outer darkness. A person who really believes in the first coming of Christ will also believe in his second coming for the same reasons. This whole parable is about us taking what we have and investing it and bringing an offering to the Lord because he has given us the tools. He has given us so much. Look at what he has done for us. If we understand these things, we're not going to be caught in laziness. We're not going to be caught in worthless works. We want to please our master. Not only out of necessity, but it's, serv- it's service. Out of humility. This gets into the section that I was really, really looking forward to get into. Amen. Tachi, I, I just looked down just in time for you to say that the works are not the works are the fruit, not the root. Amen. That's a that's a perfect way to say it. Alright, going into here, we're getting into verse 31. See, I told you, I thought we'd get here. I think we make it all the way through today. Now, verse 31 here, this final section, speaking of the second coming. But remember, remember, this is the millennial kingdom that we're going into here. So in your, in your work this week, or in your study, not your work, but in your study packet this week, and Heidi, this is why I said I'd have to explain a little bit more to you, um, we need to understand the different judgments, and so I, we put together a pack for you this week to to help you kind of separate uh, the, the separate judgments, because we learned from Revelation that um, it's not... Uh, you know, there's 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 a certain group of people that, that think that it's just one altogether um, judgment, and then that's it. That's not necessarily the case because we have the sheep and goats judgment with the millennial kingdom. This is Christ's second coming, and then we will have the great white throne judgment at the end of the the uh, the kingdom. So we have a couple different a, a, a couple different judgments here. And uh, we will iron those out for you later this week. But the point that I wanted to get to here is why this is necessary that we have this literal kingdom. And this is, this is what Jesus is saying that I am I'm coming again to do this here. So let's look at verse 31 here. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Okay? This isn't... This isn't the rapture. Because the Son of Man is coming in his glory and all the angels are with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Verse 32. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, as I said, this is about the second coming. But if you don't think the rapture is going to separate the sheep and the goats, you're very, very wrong. Because we talked about that. We talked about, as I said earlier, the wheat and the tares. There's going to be this large presence of, of godliness and, and emptiness and idolatry and trying to mix the Lord with the things of the world. This is what's going to characterize our time. That is what now characterizes the time that we are in. The religious deception that we read about in Matthew 24, it's here in full swing. This is going to go all the way into the tribulation period. We're going to walk, you're you're going to, this is going to go all the way into the tribulation. Look at all these things that we see politically. Look at the way now even even Biden is, is up here spouting verses from the palmist. Yes, he said the palmist. Um, you know Trump holding up his Bible like it's some prop religious um, you know um, um, spiritual advisors and I, this is it's here in full swing. It's all here. There's sheep and goats in that. Have you ever thought of it like that? If you haven't you should because this false sense of christianity that's a t- that that's a terror that's not the, the that's not the wheat this is a weed That's a weed it's empty there's nothing to it there's no root it looks like it it's big tall print, green nothing to it so while this is for the second coming oh this this most certainly can apply to you right now because We live right now through the freedom of Christ. And we know that we are, we are slaved through the blood of Christ, that atonement. But, um, we don't use that freedom as an opportunity to sin or to, to not pay attention to the same God that we have in the Old Testament. To the same rules and principles he commands his people. The reason why he commanded these things was to keep his people set apart. Being set apart is a theme that sticks with Christianity. This is why it's a problem that we've gotten rid of the root of what this started off to be. The law and all of these things were given to set people apart. That's why the principles, that's why it's no, you don't have to follow Torah. Torah. But the principles of Torah, you still have got to follow. And that's why a lot of those principles make it completely different from the world. It's to keep you set apart from this. Not to marry it together and think that you can slap Jesus on everything because you can't. So see how this doesn't go with the holiday, just the holidays. This goes with Christianity as a whole. We want out there to say God bless America and we want to sing our songs and act like God's not coming in judgment and going to separate the sheep from the goats. That's Verse 33. And he will place the sheep, or maybe 32. I'll read 32 again. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will be separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Verse 33, and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So, this is how we know in making these distinctions, and this is why I always continue to remind you all not to place the church where you don't belong. Because what Christ is doing here is he's talking about the judgment that is coming when he institutes the millennial kingdom. He's going to judge the humans on earth. He's going to face them in judgment and say to them, and the Jews come inherit the kingdom and grafted in Gentiles at this time. This is, this is because it says all nations. Okay. But when he says this is inherit the kingdom prepared for you, this is the Jews from the foundation of the world. Okay. So we're in there, but he's not speaking to us. See where this confusion comes from with with interpreting it? This is where people get this wrong. This is why people, if you don't understand how to rightly divide Scripture and understand the differences between the rapture and the second coming and a bunch of other principles, the the time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel, all these things, you're, you're going to have a skewed view. If you don't understand Old Testament prophecy, if you don't understand this idea of a kingdom program, if replacement theology has unfortunately completely ruined everything, it's really hard for you to understand these things and to make sense of these things. And it has. And that's what's become a challenge with even teaching through a lot of this is trying to show, look, this is where people get this wrong. But look, let's, let's, I'm pleading with you, look at what he says and look who this is to. All right, verse 35. Okay, now, this is this is interesting here because we get into uh, some hardcore humility here. This goes completely opposite to what we read in the Beatitudes and what we read and saw with the Pharisees and the behavior and thinking that righteous works get you into the kingdom and, and get you to stroll into this. It doesn't. Look what does. Verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed with my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I'm sorry, I read 34. But 35, for when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Verse 36, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. But look at 37 right here and highlight and underline this. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And then in verse 38, and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? Look at that humility. And in verse 39, and when do we see you sick in prison and visit you? They don't understand. This is what the righteous person says. They don't even understand what what you... I gave you food. I gave you clothing. I get, what are you saying? Then look what he says in verse 40. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least, or I'm sorry, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Look at that humility. I'll read it again without stuttering. Verse 40, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Had known the righteous person has no knowledge of the works of, that he did. Look, simply by doing these things, doing what I told you, by doing to the least, you did it to me. It's important to note here when he says, my brothers, this also refers to Israel as well. That's very important how we view Israel as God's people. I warn you to be, watch how you speak of that nation. Watch how you think of Israel because they are his chosen people. And all throughout scripture, he has promised that he will keep a remnant of them alive until this period. And for this period. Because of the promises that he made. And covenants that he made. Over 5,000 years ago. 6,000 years ago. Nearly. And even before. Watch how you speak of them. Watch how we treat them. They need the Lord just like we do. And they are his chosen people. But also, the humility of serving and watching is clearly laid out. And closing it out, verse 46. And these, being the ones who did not do his will, did not the evil into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Amen. All right, guys, I'm going to... Go ahead and open it up now for questions. I'm pretty late, but I got finished through the whole chapter.
0: So Tashi had asked one question, and I know you and I have had this conversation multiple times, but she said, do you think there will be, uh, or could there be, a amount of time in between the rapture and the tribulation?
1: Yes. I do. There could be a good period of time in between it. Um, it it the scripture isn't really clear. Um, it could be immediate. It or... could be immediate, but I, I I have a feeling that there's going to be a little bit of time in between there. Um, but more and more, what I'm convinced of, and what I'm I'm, you know, I it's not that I'm, uh, uh, you know, obviously changing. It's just more that um, I'm growing, I suppose. Um, and, and forming my own, just my own commentaries and, and things on these things. Um, I, I definitely think that the tribulation and is coming, um, in ways that, you know, is going to be so hard for the rest of the world to see as opposed to what we, we think in our heads. We think that, um, we've got this left behind type, type thought in our heads, but, that's not necessarily the case. Like I said, I think that it's going to be uh, business as usual for the, the rest of the world and for the goats. Um, there's, there's a church presence in the tribulation period. And there's also a presence, um, for, it, for Israel in the, in the tribulation period as well. So, um, just saying that, yeah, okay, well, Jesus and God said, okay, well, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a, a, some sort of presence there. So we can't base it off of these things and think that there's just going to be demons flying around with their reaping sticks and killing everybody. I mean, that's not necessarily what's, that's going to be the case. So um, I think that it will go into it. And I think that, yes, we we can have a, a larger period of time in between um, the, the rapture and the actual start of the tribulation.
0: Next question: In the context of the second coming, who are the sheep? That would be
1: that would be Israel, specific like the 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 third group. He's saying, since you did it to me, as you did it to the rest of my brothers, like what we were just reading about, it seems that this is um, this is the uh, unbelieving or uh, the believing Gentiles too that goes along with it. So. Um, the it, it it would be the the sheep would be israel and any any believing gentile that would come in that's the way that i see it um, there's a couple different views on on who the identity uh, of them are i went ahead and put in the study packet i went ahead and put walvert's uh, notes in there for that because i think that uh, i agree with him closer than anybody else on that but Yes, those who survive. All believe in Christ during the tribulation. Yes.
0: My comments have been really delayed. Today, <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, waiting. Yeah, see. everything is
1: very delayed. Okay. So um,
0: It's like closed on me like 10 times. And so I... I'm sorry, hope, everybody. So, I hope... Hopefully it's just me and it's not happening to everyone else, but... <laughs> I'm
1: just like waiting to make sure it's not. Yeah. I was looking to see if I had any more. Um, hopefully I didn't run too many people off. I pray that the Lord um, saw the heart in all of this. Um, but like I'm saying, man, especially for, I, I mean, that's what I've been studying is I've been having to study the second coming and, the, you know, and, um, you know, looking at this through this Jewish history and looking at it through this lens. Um, this is definitely, um, this definitely just kind of brought me to a place where, man, there's there's so much reality to this. There's so much. Um, um, it seems like this is coming so fast that I can just see these things that Jesus was saying here um, so clear. We can see just how we've attempted so long to remove a lot of this understanding, a lot of the way that these things are going uh, away from this. And it's really kind of messed us up because, you know, we see like if we're, we're able to even take Matthew 24 and, and interpret it correctly and understand that um, these, these false teachers, these false Christs and things like that, um, they will increase during the times of the end. And seeing this uh, is just—I mean—it's just incredible.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, um, the question for first-time viewing: that would you please tell me if you study or teach all or any of the poly? Yes, all of them. All of them. Yes. There's. Yeah. No reason we should not. Alright guys, well I will go ahead and close us in a prayer here. And put you guys out on your way. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you so much again for this opportunity. Father, I pray that you speak to your people this week, Father, and just bless them. Father, just please give them understanding. Father, please hear our and our struggles each and every one are going through each and every one of us right now father are going through very hard times. Father we know that this world everything is getting tighter and tougher for us Lord. So Father we ask for the continued strength for endurance Lord Jesus we ask for your guidance. Father we ask that you would take away from us whatever. It is that you're willing, Father, but most importantly, Father, just equip us so we may give you glory and sing praises to your name. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. Bless your people. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We will see you
0: tonight
1: at 8.30. All right, guys. Um, Love you to death. Um, I will see you guys. Hopefully we'll see you guys tonight at 8.30 if you're able to make it. If not, we will see you uh, later this week. Love you guys. See ya.